Thank you for joining me again. I'm Dr. Mark McCullough, reading through Dante's Inferno, canto by canto. This week, it's Canto 27. I'll read the translation from Mark Musa, and I will offer uh, uh, my um, insights after my reading and um, hopefully uh, uh, encourage and stimulate um, your own reading of Dante and your own interest in, in his uh, great work, The Inferno. By now the flame was standing straight and still. It said no more and had already turned from us with sanction of the gentle poet. When another, coming right behind it, attracted our attention to its tip, where a roaring of confusing sounds had started. As a Sicilian bull that bellowed first with cries of that one, and it served him right, who with his file had fashioned such a beast, would bellow with his victim's voice inside, so that although the bull was only brass, the effigy itself seemed pierced with pain. So, lacking any outlet to escape from the burning soul that was inside the flame, the suffering words became the fire's language. But after they had made their journey upward to reach the tip, giving it that same quiver the sinner's tongue inside had given them, we heard the words, O you to whom I point my voice, who spoke just now in Lombard, saying, You may move on, I won't ask more of you. Although I would have been slow in coming to you, be willing, please, to pause and speak with me. You see how willing I am, and I burn. If you have just now fallen to this world of blindness, from that sweet Italian land where I took on the burden of my guilt, tell me, are the Ramagolis at war or peace? For I come from the hills between Urbino and the mountain chain that lets the Tiber loose. I was still bending forward, listening, when my master touched my side and said to me, You speak to him. This one is Italian. And I, who was prepared to answer him, began without delaying my response. O oh, so, who stands concealed from me down there? Your Ragmagna is, now, is not now, and never was without war in her tyrant's hearts, although there was no open warfare when I came here. Ravina's situation has not changed. The eagle of Polenta broods up there, covering all of Servia with its pinions. The land that stood the test of long endurance and left the French piled in a bloody heap is once again beneath the verdant claws. Ferruccio's old mastiff and its new one, who both were bad custodians of Montaigne, still sink their fangs into their people's flesh. The cities of Lamone and Saterno are governed by the Lion of the White Lair, who changes parties every change of season. As for the town whose side the Savio bathes, just as it lies between the hills and plains, it lives between freedom and tyranny. And now I beg you, tell us who you are. Grant me my wish as yours was granted you, so that your fame may hold its own on earth. And when the fire in its own way had roared a while, the flame's sharp tip began to sway to and fro, then released a blow of words. If I thought that I was speaking to a soul who some day may return to see the world, most certainly this flame would cease to flicker. But since no one, as I have heard the truth, ever returns alive from this deep pit, with no fear of dishonor I answer you. I was a man of arms and then a friar, believing with the cord to make amends, and surely my belief would have come true, were it not for that high priest, his soul be damned, who put me back among my early sins. I want to tell you why and how it happened. 
While I, was st while I still had the form of the flesh and bones my mother gave me, all my actions were not those of a lion, but those of a fox. The wiles and covert paths, I knew them all, and so employed my art, the rumor of me spread to the farthest limits of the earth. When I saw that the time of life had come for me, as it must come for every man, to lower the sails and gather in the lines, things I once found pleasure in then grieved me. Repentant and confessed, I took the vows a monk takes. And oh, to think it could have worked. And then the prince of the new Pharisees chose to wage war upon the Lateran instead of fighting Saracens or Jews, for all his enemies were Christian souls, none among the ones who conquered Acre, none a traitor in the sultan's kingdom. His lofty papal seat, his sacred vows were no concern to him, nor was the cord I wore that once made those it girded learner, wiener. As Constantine once had Silvestro brought from Mount Circite to cure his leprosy, so this one sought me out as his physician to cure his burning fever caused by pride. He asked me to advise him. I was silent, for his words were drunken, and then he spoke again. Fear not, I tell you. The sin you will commit, it is forgiven. Now you will teach me how I can level Palestrina to the ground. Mine is the power, as you cannot deny to lock and unlock heaven. Two keys I have, those keys my predecessor did not cherish. And when his weighty arguments had forced me to the point that silence seemed the poorer choice, I said, Father, since you grant me absolution for the sin I find I must fall into now, ample promise with a scant fulfillment will bring you triumph on your lofty throne. St. Francis came to get me when I died. But one of the black cherubim cried out, Don't touch him! Don't cheat me of what is mine! He must come down to join my other servants for the false counsel he gave. From then to now I have been ready at his hair, because one cannot be absolved unless repentant, nor can one both repent and will a thing at once. The one is cancelled by the other. Oh, wretched me! How I shook when he took me, saying, Perhaps you never stopped to think that I might be something of a logician? He took me down to Minos, whose eight times twisted his tail around my, his hardened back. Then in his rage he bit it and announced, He goes with those the, the thievish fire burns. And here you see me now, lost, wrapped this way, moving as I do with my resentment. When he had brought his story to a close, the flame and grievous pain divided from us, gnarling and flickering its pointed horn. My guide and I moved farther on. We climbed the ridge until we stood on the ne next arch that spans the fosse where penalties are paid by those who, sowing discord, earned hell's wages. So let's focus on the figure of Montefeltro, who we find here in Canto 27, uh, to speak to Dante, tells Dante why he's there. Um, and uh, first, first off, uh, Montefeltro um, comes on the heels of Dante's uh, encounter with Ulysses. This is why Virgil says to him, you talk to him. You know, he, this guy speaks Italian. Um, uh, in other words, um, you know, he's, uh, he's a, your contemporary. Uh, Ulysses uh, was my, uh, uh, if not contemporary, my creation or someone I knew. Uh, this is Virgil, someone I knew intimately. I'll speak to him. I'll get him to speak and to teach you 
uh, about um, about his sin, and you speak to Montefeltro. It's your turn. Um, so there's a parallel here with Ulysses, and as we discussed in our last uh, in, in the last recording, um, you know the, the the sin of Ulysses is not explicitly made, but we are somewhere uh, with those who uh, are uh, being condemned for fraud. And in Ulysses' case, um, if we are following the structure uh, that Dante has laid out before us, he appears to be in, uh, the, in, a, in a place where uh, the false counselors are punished. Um, what is uh, d- d- uh, Ulysses' uh, false co- counsel? Um, I argued uh, in, in the last recording that it is uh, this lie, uh, sort of almost a romantic lie, um, that um, that we are to push beyond uh, the the pillars of Hercules and beyond our our boundaries, and then to not um, take 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 um, uh, take notice of all those uh, those boundaries which um, um, create in us or produce in us uh, what it means to be human, uh, and um, and in many ways, uh, so so Ulysses is responsible for the death of his own men. You know, along with all the other uh, sins that are that are outlined there, um, uh, in, including uh, with Diomed the creation of the uh, Trojan horse, uh, uh, and so forth. Um, but here with Montefeltro, uh, Montefeltro's uh, counsel or in false counsel and fraud, um, and bad counsel that is to the to the Pope here is is explicitly uh, told in Montefeltro's story to Dante. So we, we do have a, a pretty clear example of, of a false counselor here uh, when, when Guido Montefeltro um, uh, encourages uh, the, the Pope or at least gives the Pope the stratagems in which to take down his enemies, the Pope's enemies. Um, interestingly enough, uh, in the Convivio, which was a work that Dante wrote before the Inferno, he mentions Guido Montefeltro as, a, as uh, an example of one who uh, turned to uh, God in his old age, and uh, this uh, the date of the Convivo is uh, uh, 1307, and so the Inferno was written uh, a little later than this, uh, or at least started later than this, and so um, so he has been given Montefeltro in that work is given as sort of a of an exemplar of 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 that person who who turns away from the things of this world, in this case politics and war, infighting. Um, and turns to uh, the convent, uh, not the convent, but rather the 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 the, the, the monastic life, uh, and becomes a Franciscan uh, a Franciscan monk, um, and uh, this is why Saint Francis, of course, is wrestling with uh, the dark cherubim there at the conclusion of this this canto, and the uh, the, the dark cherubim wins, uh, and drags the body of uh, Montefeltro off. So so uh, Guido at least was considered to be an exemplar. Of someone who learned through his wisdom uh, to turn away from the things of this world and to and to become um, peaceful in himself and to um, and to confess and do penance for his sins. Uh, in this account, uh, Dante seems to have um, uh, changed his mind. Uh, maybe on some information he gathered uh, from Montefeltro's life uh, in, in as his contemporary, but that um, is not. It's not clear exactly uh, why the shift came, but the shift comes, and uh, Montefeltro is now an exemplar of, 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 of false counseling and someone who returns uh, to the crime, sort of like Al Pacino in Godfather Three, where he says, "You dragged me back in," you know. It's like get dragged back into this to this life of of crime. 
It's also interesting to note that T.S. Eliot uses uh, Montefeltro's statements uh, to Dante. Uh, he uses it um, in, uh, in, in his poetry, uh, this section. Let me just bring it up for myself here and read it again, uh, which is the, um, you know, uh, if, I, if I thought, you know, if I thought I was speaking, he says at line 61, if I thought I was speaking to a soul who someday might return to see the world, most certainly this flame would cease to flicker. But since no one I have heard the truth ever returns alive from this deep pit with no fear of dishonor, I answer you. Now, Eliot uses this section at the beginning of uh, a Proof Rock. Um, and, uh, uh, and why does he do that? Well, um, Dante was an important poet for both Ezra Pound and T.S. Eliot. This is just a a sidebar of the moderns and their use of Dante. And so he uses, uh, Eliot uses this, um, this epic epigram, uh, as a introduction into the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock and, uh, compares, uh, Prufrock, I think in, in a sense to Montefeltro himself, right? That he is a false counselor. So too is, uh, Prufrock in the poem. He actually compares himself, Prufrock does to Polonius, uh, the kind of, um, uh, another um, uh, odd false counselor, Polonius from from Shakespeare's Hamlet, and so uh, Montefeltro is a false counselor. He's an old man who turns his back to crimes after having entered. Who turns back to crimes after having entered religious life, and uh, Eliot uh, uses this section in a sense to 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 bring to his modern readers uh, through through the story through the monologue of Prufrock. Um, hell again, right? This this hell of uh, of of a kind of um, banality of of Prufrock's life, as he looks out into the world and realizes not only is he growing old, but he's missing out on all the uh, romance that he once had, uh, and he's got nowhere to go with that. So, um, you know, in 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 Eliot's own time, uh, his readers uh, thought hell was a uh, was a was a fanciful story. They didn't believe it. And so uh, Don, uh, uh, Eliot is bringing back uh, this character of Montefeltro through Prufrock to sort of bring back this horribleness of uh, to the shallow uh, world that that Eliot believed that he lived in. So that's just a sidebar of of the use of Montefeltro, and there's actually a lot more there. And I encourage any of you to read Prufrock in light of um, the section of Dante. But here he is, Montefeltro, sort of explaining himself to Dante. And um, he explains that uh, uh, the Pope, having come to him, uh, asking him for, for advice, for counselor uh, uh, to, to break uh, his political enemies. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Montefeltro is someone who, uh, in, in, in a sense, like Dante and Ulysses, uh, uh, who have, have, have sort of arrived... Uh, at a home where uh, he says in line uh, uh, 81 um, that he lowered the sails and gathered in the line. So it's sort of at the end of his life where uh, the comparison is made to a sailor, right, who, uh, who old age, uh, you know, you're an old man, uh, you're no longer going to voyage out, you're kind of pulling things in, and you're getting ready for that part of your, your time of your life, which is more contemplative and peaceful uh, without war. But like Ulysses, who... Um, in many ways, ventured out uh, away from Penelope, away from Tele Telemachus, away from home in Ithaca. Uh, so too uh, Dante on his own pilgrimage, who found himself lost in a dark wood, 
uh, in middle age, um, so too Montefeltro as well. There's sort of a warning for um, each and every one of us uh, about um, about uh, midlife crisis, perhaps um, in a modern in a in a contemporary setting, right? Uh, sort of this idea of returning to one's uh, uh, past uh, and and in in Montefeltro's case to uh, tragic consequences. So he, um, his voyage, um, um, you know, he, he, he did what was, uh, what appeared to be, uh, sincere. Um, but his advice to Pope Boniface here, um, uh, again, uh, drags him back into a life, uh, of crime and into politics. Um, and, um, and he says, I can level Palestrina to the ground, which is, uh, the, the, where a family took place, a refuge in a fortress, uh, this family um, who was excommunicated by Boniface. So these are Boniface's enemies, um, and um, and so he 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 wishes Boniface wishes to to wage war, uh, you know, not on Muslims or not on uh, uh, enemies of of Christianity, but on Christians them, themselves. So um, there's also this sort of demonic inversion of of Saint Peter. Uh, uh, you know, it's a, a damning critique of Pope Boniface, but he, but he, um, in lines 104 and 105, he says, two keys I have. So these, you know, these are the keys that, 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 uh, loosen, uh, sins here on earth. And so he uses them and he manipulates them. Um, it's also interesting that, uh, well, it's more than interesting. It's, it's sort of frightening that the, um, black cherubim here at the ending that drags off, um, uh, Montefeltro's body knows as much, if not more, about uh, the problems of appearing uh, to be good but really being evil. He says, you know, uh, you can't will something and ask for forgiveness simultaneously, right? What's, what's the exact word that, words that he uses? He says, um, one cannot be absolved unless repentant, nor can one both repent and will a thing at once. The one is canceled by the other, which is, for, uh, for a demon, is pretty, um, uh, pretty theologically sound, right? I mean, uh, even if we don't think in the theological context, if we talk, if we talk about someone apologizing uh, to us for a fault that they've committed, or we apologize ourselves, if we're justifying what we're doing at the moment of doing it, or rather, uh, even uh, even ask, even uh, apologizing for an act that we're simultaneously doing as we're doing it, uh, we can't be um, sufficiently and correctly, I suppose, penitent. Right? One cancels out. The other, and then I uh, love the line where the black cherubim says, "You, you didn't think I was? Uh, I employed logic, right? I'm a logician." Uh, these are great little moments uh, that Dante uh, adds in his poem, um, and we're going to see Montefeltro uh, later. We, as in those of us who uh, go on to read Purgatory together, uh, when um, when there's another member of the Montefeltro family uh, whose soul is wrestled over, <clears throat> and uh, we're going to see a different outcome there. Uh, in the in, in in Dante's Purgatory, but here we see uh, the damnation of uh, Montefeltro being dragged off his soul, who then is given over to Minos, who we saw in earlier cantos, who wraps his tail around him uh, and announces um, uh, he goes with those the thievish fire burns, right? So uh, the thieves, right? Um, so a, a thief, a thief of a thief of truth. Um, uh, and really, a a a um, uh, don't want to use the word hypocrite. You can't use these words because these are specific locations that Dante places uh, the damned. But he is he is someone who presents himself uh, 
outside, uh, very much at odds with his internal with his internal state. And for Dante, uh, fraud is uh, uh, malicious. Fraud is one of the great uh, one of the great sins in what we've been discussing here in the last several uh, cantos. Um, and so he mentions his resentment there in one twenty nine. Uh, um, and you know maybe I've I've uh, uh, you know characterized Montefeltro as somewhat a sympathetic character, but you know he's he's clearly has resentment and anger um, and sort of a pettiness about him too. Um, even 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 addressing Dante as if Dante himself were da- were damned uh, and um, not caring much about his uh, m- not really caring much about his fame uh, or his uh, shame uh, to, to to rhyme here his shame there back on earth for what he did. I think this is probably different than the classical mindset who where characters in hell wanted Hades rather or the underworld wanted uh, the living to know uh, of their fame on earth. Uh, Montefeltro sort of acknowledges a kind of like Christian shame about um, having uh, returned to evil ways. And so Montefeltro wanting to keep things hush-hush uh, would never tell a living soul uh, what, what his uh, fate entailed, uh, no pun entailed uh, with Minos, sorry, uh, but what his fate entailed. Uh, and so, um, and of course, Dante is going to do the very thing that Montefeltro fears here, which is to um, you know, which is to uh, to write about Montefeltro, um, and Eliot uh, uses him uh, in his own poem as well. So, very important passage here from Dante, uh, and one that um, uh, one that kind of develops further uh, uh, Dante's um, uh, um, kind of uh, interest and uh, um, in fraud. And in the sin of of of, of fraud, and even including, uh, I didn't mention the Pope's fraudulent absolution. So the the Pope is a fraud, Montefeltro is a fraud, uh, ev- everyone is a fraud here in this section. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, the reading and uh, some of these notes. Of course, these are not uh, complete and exhaustive; they're just uh, things that come off the top of my head as I'm reading through, and things that I've. Uh, uh, that I that I taught when, uh, when I, and I teach uh, when I um, when I do present Dante. So um, I'll, I'll I'll see you next time uh, with uh, Canto tw- uh, twenty eight, uh, and, and I am looking forward to it. Take care.